So tonight I want to uh, tell you a story about uh, some of my practice in Burma. I'd been doing retreats like this for about eight years, uh, over on the East Coast mostly, with Western teachers, and I just, um, I, just I really didn't feel like I was getting it, really. And I knew that there was more to the, the practice than I was getting. But I now look back and realize that the first period of time for me was really doing repair work, you know, psychological family of origin, you know, kind of early adult dysfunction, emotional life repair work on the cushion, which is not maybe the most effective way to do it, but it's the way I was doing it. And at some point, I just had this urgent need, just this extreme urgency to have the opportunity to do more practice. So I uh, made the decision to go to uh, Burma because that was the home of the tradition that I was practicing in here. And I wanted to live in a in a... Buddhist country. I wanted to see what that was like, and I wanted to ordain as a monk. I wanted to see what that was like, and I wanted to do intensive meditation like this until I didn't want to do it anymore. And I figured that was the place to do it. So I went and uh, went to the monastery, and I was on fire. I was really, I was so excited to be there. It was just, I'd cleaned up my life enough to just put everything on hold and packed everything away, and I didn't have anything to come back to, and I was just ready to devote my life to, uh, for that period of time, to the Dharma. And I, I thought it might take a year, because <laughs> I'd had friends that, you know, Guy and some other people that, that you probably have practiced with that had gone to uh, Asia and ordained for a year, year and a half, and, and had practiced, and Carol herself had gone to practice. And so I went and um, just said, well, I'm, I'm here to practice. And so I got going, and it was really rigorous. I was practicing with Saito Upandita. Many of you have heard stories about him. Pretty demanding, a very formulaic practice, very strict uh, schedule of practice. And I was so enthused, it was no problem for me to do the schedule. And I was going along, and after some point, after some months, uh, I, I, I don't remember exactly where it was as far as in my time. I was there for five years. Um, I don't remember exactly where it was. Maybe it was in the second year uh, of, of doing this practice. Um, I was walking one day on the, the kind of the alleyway out uh, alongside the rooms where I was staying in a dormitory, and there was a, a hallway out back of the rooms. And I remember walking, and you know, just doing your lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing. And something came to my mind for the first time. And it was a feeling of self-pity. Now, I'd always been a really confident person. I'd owned my own businesses ever since I was in school, out of, in, out of high school. And I was just, I just 
was a really can-do, confident as a, a contractor builder. And so I just, I, 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 I heard this voice in my mind saying, oh, poor me, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was like, wow. I said, well, where's that coming from? I never saw that before. I, I didn't, I, I never had felt that kind of, oh, poor me. But as I started to recognize it, it's like, wow, that's really interesting. It was, you know, it was, you know, it would always come up when I was having difficulty in practice, you know, struggling with something. And it'd be, oh, poor me, I can't do this practice. Oh, poor me, I'm not very good at this. Oh, poor me, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, oh, poor me, I, I, I'm too stupid. Oh, poor me, I should have started when I was younger. Oh, poor me, I did too many drugs, I can't do this. You know, oh, poor me, I didn't do enough drugs. <laughs> oh, poor me. You know, it's just whatever. It's just, and every time it would come up, it was just like paralyzed practice. Couldn't practice anymore. It's just like pulled the plug. And it was like, wow, that was really, and it was just, what, what amazed me was, it was so frequent. It just came up seemingly dozens of times a day. And when it did, it would just, my whole, my whole mental posture would just collapse, just like pull, pull the plug on practice. Couldn't, couldn't do it. I was believing the story. Oh, poor me. There's something wrong with me because, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so I, after suffering with this for some, some time, I don't remember how long, I said, you know, I got to get a handle on this. So I made this firm resolve. I just said, you know what? I, I've heard these stories. I've looked at them. It's like, I'm here. I'm still practicing. I said, this is just, you know, a story. So I made this resolve. Every time that my mind kind of started producing this story or came up with this story, oh, poor me, I would just say, I see. I got it. I'm this is just self-pity, just self-pity. I just keep practicing, just kind of recognize it, be with it, be with it, keep doing my practice. And it got to where I could catch it instantly. As soon as it started rising, I'd see it, it'd go away. Keep practicing, it'd start to rise again, I'd see it, it'd go away. And it got to the point where I would just see it instantly. Every time it tried to it, it was like it was like it had energy, but I began to understand that you know there was different kinds of experiences that would give rise to a feeling of frustration or disappointment or just self-judgment, and I would see it. And every time that it tried to rise, I just okay, I see it. I wasn't averse to it. I wasn't buying into it. I was just really determined. I'm not going to let myself get entangled in this state of mind. And it went on for a while, you know, where it, the mind just kept throwing it up, throwing it up, throwing it up, because it was a habit that, interestingly, I had never seen before, and now I was seeing all the time. <laughs> but after a period of time, it just started, it's like it just got weaker. I mean, it's, it just didn't come as often, and it didn't ever get established in my mind. And since that time, now I was cautioned not to be too absolute about this, but I have never seen it since. 
I don't, the, the idea of self-pity or the feeling of self-pity, I'm going to say in the last two decades, never arises in the mind. Never. Maybe once. <laughs> Carol said I should not be absolute. Okay, once. I don't know when, but... <laughs> It's amazing, you know, that's what awareness and understanding with resolve can do. And so whatever, whatever state of mind you get entangled in, you know, self-judgment or fear or shame or, you know, anxiety or whatever, it's just a story that we're so habituated to, some of them we don't even see. But mindfulness can see it, you can learn through paying attention, how it arises and catch it every time. You can. And when you do, it just gets weaker and weaker and weaker in the mind to the point where at some point it's just not going to arise anymore. I was just, just before coming to this retreat, I was up in Seattle and I was working with a group of students that I work with up there. And one woman was telling about her, her day practice. And she said she was just going around her life, you know, just going through her day, doing her usual stuff. And there was this kind of running commentary, whingy, whiny, rushing to get things done type of, you know, stuff that, you know, just normal, normal stream of consciousness that's kind of running in the background of your day, a normal day. And she said, you know, it's, she knows it, she's familiar with it, she's just learned to live with it. But that day, she just said to herself, what's the attitude in my mind right now? And she saw it. She saw that whingy, whiny, rushing, you know, just kind of treadmillish thing that we just tolerate because that seems to be the way life, ha what life requires of us. And when she saw it, she said, it's just stopped. It just stopped. Momentarily, you know, but it's a habit. But once she saw it, she wasn't in it anymore. And that's the power of, of awareness. And especially if you ask yourself, well, what, what is really going on here? What is going on in my mind right now? I mean, if you have the attitude of like, I'm going to get rid of it. You're not going to get rid of it. But if you're curious to understand it and work with it and see it and really come to understand it because you're willing to invest your time and mindfulness in it, you can really disentangle uh, the habits of the mind. It takes, it takes some repetitions. It takes some resolve. It takes some, you know, some steadiness of attention. But it can be done. It's not, it's not hopeful thinking. You really can. And so I encourage you to really, you know, identify what your, you know, kind of default setting is. What's your, what's your major impediment? You know, always, you know, wanting something else, you know, the craving side of defilements or always, you know, kind of eh, 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 whinging and whining about things, the aversive side of things. Just really look and see what do you usually what what 
Where does your mind go? What does your mind default to? And identify it. You know, you don't have to be ashamed of it because you, when you identify it, then you can really work with it, really heighten your interest in noticing it and working with it. And you can, you can, I, it's not you, it's like mindfulness and understanding can uh, deal with that uh, default setting in the mind. So, give it a try.